Swain Event and SwainEvent.com, fueled by Dead End Barbecue, live here at Beatty Chevrolet Parkside Drive. Hope you're having a great Monday on the 20th day of September. Ben McKee, Jason Swain with you from 7 to 10 a.m. Live on your Swain Event app, free for Android and Apple devices. All right, Ben. Uh, we'll do, do something a little different today for Touchdown Turnover. Um, usually we do touchdown turnover, and it's basically like a true-false type of question, but uh, I want this just to be, uh, a, I guess, like a multiple choice uh, between two possible answers here. So for today's touchdown turnover, just simply a, picking which one is more right. Which one is more right? We're going ACT questions here, uh, SAT questions. Which one is more right? Is it that Florida's better than expected or that Bama is not as good as, as, as we thought they were after week one? After, after week one, we thought, all right, no one is coming close to these guys this year. Just go ahead and give them a national championship. Right now, no one's coming close. Uh, that's how people looked at Alabama. Um, which one is more right, that Florida is better than expected or – Alabama not as good as people expected. Which one is more right to you? Am I allowed to say that neither are true? Yeah, if you feel that way. That's how I feel. Florida far succeeded my expectations or exceeded my ex- expectations. I think anybody who listened to me talk about Florida last week would uh, agree with that. I, I did not see that performance coming. Florida played much better than I expected them to do so, and again, I, I still think Florida's a good team, which by my definition, a, a good team in college football is eight, nine wins, and obviously it, it it's circumstantial depending on the school and, and that school's expectations. At Florida, that that's not a good team, though, and I, I thought they, they were not going to reach the 10-win the mark this year. And I still don't necessarily think that they're going to reach the 10-win the mark this year. I expect them to beat Tennessee, but Emory Jones is going to have to, to prove that, that he can stack good performances on, on good performances. And, and even uh, against Alabama, it, it wasn't a great performance. It, it was better than the previous two weeks. He had several scoring drives that he led Florida on that were were very impressive. A 99-yard scoring drive, uh, three other scoring drives of of 70-plus yards, I think like 75, 76, and 74 yards. Um, Florida's defense stood tall the the second half of the game after Alabama got up big and and allowed Florida to to crawl back into it because Emory Jones was able to put those long drives together that I, I just mentioned I was very impressed with Florida's running game, which that, that has not changed. I, I've been saying that since the preseason. Their, their veteran trio of uh, Malik Davis and Damian Pierce and, and Naquan Wright, they, they are all very talented backs. And then you even have two five-star transfers who, who aren't even playing a ton. Demarcus Bowman, who transferred from Clemson last year. Lorenzo Lingard, who transferred from Miami, I think the year before last as as well. 
so I, I'm I'm not ready to buy into to Florida being some ten win team that can challenge Georgia for the East just yet until Emory Jones proves that he can do what he did on Saturday consistently. I'm I'm holding out on Florida until Emory Jones proves that he can do that consistently. I, I just think Florida played a, a really good game. I don't think that, that means that they're better than than we thought that they were, but we'll we'll learn a lot about them coming up. And, and the reason that I don't think Alabama isn't as good as we thought that they were is because I, I think that because of all of the players that they have to replace, all the inexperience, all of the the the, the, the talent that, that is now in there, particularly on, on offense, I, I just I think they got too comfortable. I think they got up big, and, and they took their, their foot off the gas mentally. And when you do that in a football game, you're going to have the type of result that Alabama did when, when you let the other team crawl back into it. So I, I think, if anything, Alabama is an immature, inexperienced team and you saw Nick Saban harp on this after the Miami game because they didn't keep their foot on the gas in the second half. They, they didn't necessarily show up with a ton of fight, ton of effort against the Mercer. They just let their, their talent take over. Uh, and then I thought that they did the same against Florida when, when they got up big and they took, took their foot off the, the, the gas. That, that's the sign, the mark of, of, a, of a young, inexperienced, immature team. So... Uh, that that's kind of why I say I don't think either are true. Yeah, I I I agree with you on your on your Alabama take as far as you know their maturity and and learning how to close out games and put your foot on the throat of the opponent when you have them down. But I will say that uh, I think Florida's better than expected because of their defense. You know, Todd Grantham has been looked upon as you know kind of the, the weakest link there, and there's been. A lot of criticism going in his direction from the Florida fan base. Uh, there's been a lot of chatter about, you know, how, how long will Grantham work there? Uh, how long will he be there? Uh, they gave up a ton of points and ton of yards last year when Florida's offense is one of the best in the country. Um, but I thought that defense did a really good job of stepping up and um, preventing Alabama from having a 100-yard rusher. When you look at all the backs Alabama's produced, um, it's hard to believe that they did not have a 100-yard rusher. Um, now, Brian Robinson Jr. man has some, you know, has some has some moves uh, out there. He had a catch uh, <laughs> there in the, in the flat uh, where he made made a guy miss and and, and scored a touchdown. Um, you know, in space, made a corner miss um, and, and scored a touchdown. But I think Florida's a little bit better than, than expected. I mean, I, Ember Jones did have a pick, but that pick he was getting hit as he was throwing the football. Um, and I thought, you know, he played his best game as a Gator. I'm with you, though. Let's see if he can if he can do it again. Um, but just from just from that game, I think Florida is a little bit better than expected. Um, able to compete there in the trenches in Tennessee's players better get ready. This is a double chin strap game. This is a game where um, you better be ready and prepared to be sore the next day. Um, you're going to get knocked down. You better be ready to get back up. This is going to be a physical, physical football game. And it looked like the Alabama-Florida game was very, very physical. So can Alabama beat beat Florida twice? Uh, this is why we were so, um, for some fans, optimistic about 
playing Florida after they play Alabama because regardless of if they win or lose, physically they're going to take a beating. And that game was very physical. There's no doubt about it. So who's banged up from the Florida game, Florida-Alabama game, uh, entering this, this week's game? Um, are they encouraged down there or are they demoralized because they basically had a chance to, to tie it up if it wasn't for a missed extra point earlier in the game? They had to go for two because the field goal kicker didn't make a simple field goal. Do they feel good about, hey, man, we was toe-to-toe with the number one team in the country coming off a national championship, or do they feel demoralized because they lost a close one and it was right there? Um, I think we'll find out. I don't know if we know right now, but I think we'll find out uh, this Saturday. I know how, how the fans Mullen. feel. Hmm? How I, the fans feel? Oh, I know how the fans feel. Because they probably they, feel demoralized. No, they're, they're pumped up. They thought they were going to get blown out. They, oh, okay. They, well. they, they are obviously – any big-time fan base is going to be disappointed with losing because you have the expectation to win. But Florida fans feel about Emory Jones the way Tennessee fans feel about Jared Garantano. They, they cannot stand Emory Jones. They, they want every bit of Anthony Richardson like Tennessee fans, some, want Harrison Bailey. I mean, that, that is, Florida is dealing with a, a similar quarterback situation in terms of the fans' perception as as Tennessee is. So Florida fans didn't really think that they had a chance. And then you show up, and especially when they go down big early on, they, they really didn't think they had a chance, and then they storm all the way back. And because of an ex, missed extra point, you don't go to overtime with Nick Saban and number one Alabama. So I, I think Florida fans are, are feeling feeling good coming off the, the game because they, they did not expect it to be close because they are not fans of Emory Jones. Well, the thing about it is, you know, the fans, they don't, they don't play the games. And the fans may feel good. And I understand why. I mean, I, if, if I was in that position, I would, you know, I would feel good too, to be honest. I mean, it was disappointing losing to Pittsburgh. But I think when we came back on that Monday, we were like, oh, okay, well, I mean, you did have all these turnovers and you did have all these penalties and these guys, you know, fought their butts off and still had a chance to, you know, win the game on last possession. We wasn't ready to burn couches or anything. Uh, so, we, you know, we understand what that feels like. We felt okay, pretty pretty, pretty, pretty good at the, at the Pittsburgh L. Uh, probably worse now that Pittsburgh lost to Western Michigan. But, like, you know, the fans, the Florida fans can feel that way. I want to I wanna know how the players feel. How does that locker room feel? Uh, if that locker room feels like, oh, Man, everything the coaches have been telling us, yo, we had a chance to win this game. I'm going to buy in even more. I'm going to lock in a little bit more. Uh, then, uh-oh, watch out. Uh, but if they are reeling and hurting and you know still thinking about their loss, then, yeah, it can affect them this week. I don't think we're going to find out until, uh, until we play Saturday because there's no way that Dan Mullen is going to admit one way or the other when he talks to the media this week. No. They're not. <laughs> there are some really interesting matchups in this Tennessee-Florida game that I am genuinely jacked up about to, to discuss What's all that? week long. Just, I, I think there's, there's plays to be made in Florida's secondary. It is the most questionable spot on Florida's team. Uh, some view it as the, the weakest part uh, of Florida's team, even more so. Than, than quarterback because there's been some dysfunction back there. They had three three safeties graduate and move on. Marco Wilson got drafted and, and moved on. Uh, so so going into the season, you had some guys 
in new positions, a lot of new back there. And, and then you get into fall camp and two, two players that Tennessee fans should be familiar with uh, because Jeremy Pruitt really wanted them, Kamar Wilcoxon and Jaden Hill. Uh, Kamar Wilcoxon once committed to Tennessee. Both of those guys tore their ACL. Now you go out and get Texas A&M transfer Elijah Blades. He's been dealing with an undisclosed injury. Uh, and, and all of a sudden, that, that secondary becomes arguably the most problematic spot for Florida. Uh, Kyer Elam, their, their best corner, he's good, has been good. Jadarius Perkins, uh, a transfer from Missouri, uh, he, he can kind of play nickel, can, can play the, the second corner spot. He's been pretty good as well. But they, they've got some young guys in the mix. Avery Helm, who's a redshirt freshman. Jason Marshall, uh, a five-star, the highest corner to ever sign with Florida, but a true freshman, and, and they've kind of struggled to, to start the season. Uh, and they rank 82nd nationally in passing defense through three games. So we, we've seen Tennessee's receivers get past some DBs based off of what Florida has put on film these first three games, I think those opportunities are, are still going to present themselves. Can Joe Milton, if, if he is the guy, can he hit on those? Because th- those could, could absolutely swing the game in, in Tennessee's favor. Uh, e- even if Hendon is in there, can, can he hit on some deep balls uh, against the, a Florida secondary that can be a liability to, to really – change the game and then Florida's rushing attack is is just dominant right now I mean they're, they're second in the country in rushing I, I know it's only three games but anytime you outrush Nick Saban 268 to 91 and you rushed for uh, 1,009 yards through three games which is the most in, in a three-game start to a Florida season since 1981 uh, that that is significant even if it's only three games in uh, especially when Alabama is is part of your small sample size. So uh, Tennessee's defensive front, I, I think they are best against the run, and and they're going to have to bring their hard hard hat, their their lunch pail, uh, a blue collar approach. They're they're going to have to buckle their chin strips chin straps and, and come ready to play because uh, they they're in for a tall task trying to slow down this this Florida rushing attack. What complements the secondary? Um more than any other position on the football field, Ben. So when you have a a secondary that is very opportunistic and being able to get their hands on footballs and, and intercept the football, usually you have a defensive line that's applying pressure and forcing the quarterback to throw quicker than you know he would like. And the Florida defensive front um, has a chance to cover up a lot of Florida's mistakes on the back end if Tennessee un- is unable to protect the quarterback. Because what we want to do, which is throw the ball deep and down the football field, we're not necessarily built for that on the offensive line, protection-wise. Um, so, yes, there are chances to beat the Florida DBs and be ready for them to grab, be ready for them to hold, be ready for a street fight, be ready for bump and run at the line of scrimmage. Um, and so I think Florida will be banking. And I remember going through this as a player, and we've seen it every year since. This is just how they play down there. Like, yeah, you may beat me, but you won't have enough time to throw it deep. Um, that's, that's 
the matchup I think Tennessee needs to worry about. Can you line up four receivers and still tra- take deep shots? Because if you line up four receivers, you have less blockers to help the offensive line. Can this offensive line block one-on-one and be able to keep guys out the backfield while lining up in four wide receiver sets? That's going to be the question. And I don't know today if we can do that or not. So, yes, weaknesses on the secondary for, for Florida, uh, but Florida's defensive front, uh, I'm pretty sure they'll be looking to, to, to you know, kind of cover up that weakness by getting to the quarterback, yeah. uh, preventing those long developing plays in the passing game. Yeah, they, they've got some, some nice players up front. They, they don't have the, the Dante Fowlers of the past, which it seemed like every year Tennessee played Florida. There was yep. one edge rusher or mm-hmm. legitimate defensive lineman that was just going to take over the game himself. Uh, they don't have that, but they do have some, some really nice players in, in Zach Carter, a, a defensive end, their best pass rush. Uh, Gervin Dexter, he's a sophomore, former five-star. He's, he's really taken the next step. They have a couple transfers in there, uh, two from Auburn, Daquan Newkirk and Tyrone Truesdale, uh, Antonio Valentino from, from Penn State, three transfer defensive tackles that have a ton of experience. So uh, that offensive line that we, we've kind of voiced some concerns of from, from the Tennessee Tech game, although I do think it's important to point out that for a good chunk of that game, you were without – Cade Mays after he destroyed that poor kid on the sideline. Uh, he, he did not come back into the game. Uh, Kingston Harris went out early in the game, and Ollie Lane had to come in. Uh, and then you were also without Cooper Mays. So you had three of your five starting offensive linemen out for the game, in addition to Karon Calvert having the biceps injury. So uh, we'll, we'll see how much of that that Tennessee Tech performance was – was a true indication of where Tennessee's offensive line is is currently currently at. Yeah, man, looks like it's going to be a nasty, wet, sloppy game this weekend too, man. Looking at the forecast, and this right now, seventy five percent humidity um, and forty percent uh, participation participation precipitation. There we go. Uh, there, at Gainesville. Um, it's going to be raining. Looks like all week. So. Better be ready for the wet ball drills if you are Tennessee practicing this week. And um, usually in these conditions, the advantage goes to the team that can run the football uh, the best. So let's get to uh, Justin and Florida. Justin, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. How are we doing today? What's what's up, man? Well, how are you? Ah, doing doing all right. Um, uh, one thing I want to call in on, you guys were talking about it earlier, and that's that intermediate uh, game and sort of uh, us not showing it. Uh, wanted, I know you mentioned maybe that's something you know we can't do right now, but do you think it's dangerous to just not show it at all? And what I mean by that is, uh, you know, you've got to kind of keep a defense honest. And it just feels like we're falling into that Butch Jones type offense where we're running one of three plays is either, you know, a deep shot, a wide receiver pass out in the flat, trying to do some sort of little like flip screen or is a run up the middle. And I, I think, and I'm hoping it's just uh, sandbagging, you know, some of the playbook 
uh, against Tennessee Tech, but even against Pitt, I, I mean, we're just not showing that. And if we can't hit it, don't you think it's at least important long-term that we show it? Because how are we going to be able to recruit, you know, de- uh, you know, decent quarterbacks, decent wide receivers when we're basically saying, well, yeah, 85% of our plays are going to be these two routes. Um, I just think we're falling into some habits here that we need to get out of. And to your point, Swain, you know, the problem with the deep shot is you, you need time. I don't think we have uh, the time right now uh, with, with the offensive line. Uh, they're, they're definitely, you know, still a work in progress. But one of the things I saw watching the South Carolina-Georgia uh, game is trouble running the ball. They had problems taking uh, deeper shots, but it was that pass that was between 10 and 20 yards that was getting quick out of the quarterback's hand, and it was more a timing route. Seemed to move the ball a couple times, and they ended up with a couple big plays on it. So want to hang up and listen whether or not you think, whether we hit it or not, we've got to at least show that we have it in our bag. Talk to you guys soon. All right, thank you, Justin. Um... And listen, that Bush Jones offense, you can say what you want to say about it, but uh, it's pretty it was pretty good once you got the players in here. I mean, offensively, man, we're putting up some big numbers and, and uh, scoring some points. Um, so, yeah, you know, 13 and 14, you know, there were some things about the, the offense we didn't like, but, you know, when Josh Dobbs went in and they hit the right players at the right places, then psh, offense was, was, pretty, was pretty good. Here's something that we have not seen in three games. And I'm surprised no one brought it up. Surprised no one brought it up. No one brought it up. We have not seen a back shoulder throw three games. Three games. And the back shoulder throw is one of the most, um, I mean, it, it is the, it's the hardest pass to cover in football, period, is the back shoulder throw. Because the DB can be in perfect position, perfect position, and still give up a big play. <laughs> he can still give up a big play. We have not attempted a back shoulder throw. We have not completed a back shoulder throw. And I think it's going to be very vital for us to be able to do so in this game coming up this weekend and moving forward because physically I don't know how we are at wide receiver to be able to get out on top um, after, you know, getting off press, if we can get off press. Um, but there's going to be some times when DBs are going to be running side, side, uh, right beside us, running step by step. Now here's a perfect opportunity to throw the ball right to the back of our helmets, back shoulder throw. Make the DB wrong, even when he's right, even when he's in good position. We have not seen the back shoulder throw. I think that's something that we need to utilize as well because that pass doesn't need to be 40 yards down the field. It could be 20 yards. You saw in the South Carolina game uh, and Georgia game, there's something Justin is referencing. They had one of their receivers. I mean, it was a quick fade. It's a quick fade to the outside. Uh, receiver caught the ball, got a penalty for unsportsmanlike conduct because he wants to taunt. But that play wasn't 40, 50 yards down the football field. It wasn't a 50-yard throw. It doesn't have to be. We can throw it quicker. We can throw it quicker. So I just uh, don't which, think you're going to see these things. I, I, I just don't think it's, it's Josh Heupel's. Offense. You may not. It, I'm telling you that there's something we need to do. Oh, I need to look, look at. I, I agree with you. I, I'm not. I, I, 
mentioned the the numbers on on intermediate throws the last two weeks earlier in the show. One against Tennessee Tech, and and I'm just not not a fan of that at all. Uh, I I don't like it, but it's just we knew this coming in to to the season into the Josh Heupel era. If you listen to those who cover college football and those who have done UCF games, called UCF games in the past, this is what they said, that it's um, a a whole lot of tempo, tempo, tempo to disguise the the lack of complexity. It's it's deep shot or – screens to the receivers or, or or handing it off or RPOs or the quarterback keeping it it's it's not that that complicated of an offense so I I agree with you I want to see these things I just don't think that you are yeah well you got I think if you're going to be a passing team that throws it deep and wants to you know hit explosive plays all the throws won't be over the receiver's shoulder they got to be some back shoulder throws and that needs to be something that we that we need to do too and maybe that'll help the receivers um because, you know, run through the catches have not been something we've done consistently either. So the back shoulder uh, could be something that helps the quarterback and it helps the wide receiver. All right, let's go back to the phones. Let's get to uh, D.R. Vall. D.R. Vall, good morning. Good morning, guys. I can't believe we got Florida fans calling into the show. Hey, man. Eric, Eric, Eric calls in every year around this time of the, uh, of the, uh, of the season, man. What's going on, my podcast buddy? I can't. I can't believe we have Ole Miss fans calling into the show. Uh, now they'll call <laughs> in in a few weeks. Uh, man, you know, I had to call in and been listening in the background. I had to call in the week of Florida. Is there a worse university of Florida? Because for those of you out there that have a short-term memory, never forget they helped Aaron Hernandez become a national name and aid him in becoming a millionaire. Worst university in the nation. It's not even close second. I mean, they, 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 they did sweep all that Aaron Hernandez stuff under the rug when he was a player there. That's what I'm saying. They're awful. I'm telling you guys, you can mark it down. If we went 2-10 and 10 this year, one of those wins was against Florida, I'd shut up. I, I tweeted the other day, if we beat Florida, then you build a statue. I, I just My hatred for Florida, it, it's a different level than anything. Anything. Kind of like uh, Ben hates the Ravens. That's me with Florida times 100. Worst fan base I've ever encountered, and uh, plus with Aaron Hernandez again. I mean, they hated him, man. How do you not hate him? It's really easy to. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's really easy to. Guys, who, who took a bigger L this weekend? Uh, Pittsburgh or the Bailey Packers? Pittsburgh Panthers, Sam, not Steelers. Um, you know, if I'm just flat out answering your question honestly, it is the uh, it's the Harrison Bailey backers. At least that'll quiet it down, don't you think? I mean, I want the kid to do good. It's not a shot at him, but I don't think I mean, it this- will because now the, those same people are saying that. He didn't get to run with the ones and this oh, and that. True. So the he thing didn't is, get a fair opportunity. The thing that stinks about this whole situation is, is like people let let the, the the high school ranking pump their head up and make them have these false expectations. Um, 
They've refused to listen to what everyone has been saying. That's either watch the team or cover this football team. They've generated their own narrative. Um, and what's happened is he's gotten this, this attention that third-string quarterbacks are not supposed to get. So now he's being talked about, and you have folks saying that, okay, he should be playing. And then you have the other side that have to explain his shortcomings and why he's not playing. And it's, it stinks because, like, you should be spending more attention on the guys who are playing, the first and second string uh, quarterback. But because they didn't play lights out, now the attention has been on the third string quarterback. And so now you have, all right, you have pro-Bailey and anti-Bailey. And it shouldn't be like that. Last time I checked, Hanson Bailey is a Tennessee Vol. He works his tail off. He does everything right. He's just not ready yet. But he shouldn't be so much part of the conversation to where now people are divided and now you're considered anti or against him when you're not. If, 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 if both quarterbacks got hurt and Harrison had to go in um, against Florida, dude, I'll be cheering my butt off and hope that he's successful. So these narratives get, they, they get created because people don't want to listen. People, people just they, they just want to create their own stories, and they don't they just hard headed. They don't want to listen because they think somebody's tricking them. They think someone's fooling them. They think, oh man, they just trying to brainwash us. They no one's trying to fool you. We're just telling you the truth. <laughs> <laughs> like no one's trying to fool you, man. Like, we're just telling you what we see. Just chill out. Oh, no, 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 it's a conspiracy. It's a conspiracy. It's not a conspiracy. It's not a conspiracy. I'm holding you by the shoulders right now. I'm shaking you. I'm telling you to calm down. I'm telling you to look at me in my eyes. No one is trying to fool you. No one's trying know, to trick you. My, my, my favorite uh, conspiracy theories is probably flat earth, aliens, and third-string quarterback at UT. Golly, man. You, hey, when you see a backup quarterback go in and they flash and they are the best player on the field, okay. Like, you know, Antonio Richardson, <laughs> the, Antonio Richardson down there in Florida, right? Their quarterback flashed when he went in. I understand why they are talking about him. I get it. I get it. But I don't understand this up here. I don't get it one bit. It, it doesn't well, make a lot of sense to me. There's two things that we love to hop up here at the University of Tennessee, Swain. A backup quarterback and an incoming recruit that's a quarterback. Man, it's, it's – and I and I hate it for Harrison, man, because he don't he don't deserve all this all this conversation, man. Like, and maybe Saturday has you know made things clear for people, and maybe it didn't. But I'll tell you one thing: you don't you don't get first team reps unless you play like a first team in practice. So, well, this this whole narrative, like, well, he didn't look he didn't he would look better if he was with the first team. That ain't how it works. You earn first-team reps by what you do in practice. If you were better than all the other quarterbacks, you would have gotten first-team reps. So it's just it's just silly, man. He's not yeah, he's not ready. Let him let him work. Let him get better. Process the information quickly. It's something that he can improve on um, because he's not going to get any faster. Not going to get any quicker um, to where he's anywhere close to Hendon. So he needs to process information faster. When your arm is not strong, you have to. You have to know where you're going with the football quicker. And he needs to work on that. Let him go work on that, folks. Yeah, it's almost like the, the coaches have seen more than us in practice. Um, guys, I've got three things that stood up to me this weekend. I'm going to hop off. I've kept you all long enough. First thing is Aubrey Solomon. He's real. I heard his name called out at the stadium Saturday, so I was encouraged by that. Uh, second <laughs> yeah, thing right. is Harrison Bailey is true third stringer. And the third thing, third thing is 
Uh, let me read my writing. Oh, yeah. Third was the Raiders. See ya. I'm getting blamed for trolling, and I wouldn't make any points about Steelers losing. Not one, not one point I made today was rubbing it in about the Steelers losing. Because I was actually going for the Steelers. I'm going for any team that plays the Raiders. Lose John Gruden. All right, let me hit up the text box. Let's get to um, David before you do that. Say what? Let's get to David before you do All that. All right, cool. David, good morning. Hey, guys. How y'all doing this morning? Hey, David. What's up, man? Oh, man, I tell you what. I don't know what you're talking about. Did you not see Harrison Bailey uh, run that RPO for touchdown? No, I'm just kidding. I can't even, I can't even try to do that. I'm sorry. Um, no, um, you know, I, I love the conversation, Jason, uh, and getting your insight on the receiver side because, you know, me, like a big 500,000 other schlub UT fans, we watch the quarterback and quarterback only, and we don't ever, you know, it's hard for us to, to, to focus on something outside of the football. And um, uh, although I did watch Trey Smith last night, for the first time I think in my life, just focused on Trey Smith and watch him. And, oh, my Lord, it's, <laughs> he, it's unbelievable. I've never seen anything like that at the pro level. I understand it at the college level. But, I mean, there were, there were times that they just quit even trying to, to, to line somebody up against him. They put, like, three guys on, one, on the other side of football and and poor Trey just standing there with nobody block. It's He's like a rookie. They, they, it's almost like they're giving up trying to trying to to push him back. It's it, it, he's a rookie in the NFL. It's it's unbelievable. I can't believe watching it. But you know, Jason. You know, one of the things I'm curious about, and y'all made it, y'all made a good point of it of of it being this being Heifel's offense. My thought on it is, how quickly is that going to change the first pick six we get with one of those throws out in the flat Saturday? Because you and I both know Florida's defensive backs are going to be on those guys like white on rice. And the fact that we won't throw anything over the middle of the field, and only throw to the sideline. We all know Dan Mullen's looking at that on the film right now and going, guys, y'all go get you a pick six tonight because they're going to throw that ball to the sideline. You're going to jump, the, you're going to jump that route. You're going to be gone. That, and, that's why it's important if you're Josh Heupel. Uh, and, you know, he's calling plays from the sideline. So he should be able to see this is if you see the DB being overly aggressive trying to fight through those, those blocks, that's when you slip out the blocker and you fake the bubble screen and you throw it up the sideline. So, um, yes, we have you know, pointed out the uh, simplistic offense so far because you are going up-tempo, and, yes, you've thrown a lot of those passes to the, to the flat. But the good thing is you've, you've, you've shown it on tape so many times that you can really use that against Florida or any opponent because you've yet to fake it and throw it deep um, and yeah, complete that's a good it. Point. So that's a- you you got to have a good feel for those for those DBs if you are Josh Heupel, seeing how our guys are being being able to hold up and block on the outside. Um, and so if they're playing soft, then you you can hit it. But if they're really fighting through, man, you got to fake it and throw it up the sideline and maybe have a second option going up the hash. Has there been a has there been a screen? This this season, has there been a screen pass or a pass to the back out of the backfield this season? Um, not a maybe screen. one. Was it one running back screen? I don't I don't remember a, a screen to the back, and I don't really. I think I'm remember. fighting. I'm fighting to 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 say we had one. Maybe it wasn't. I I, I can't remember one. Now Tyon and Jalen Wright did have a catch on on Saturday. They they had. 
and Jalen Wright had two targets. So, so there's been a couple of catches from the backside of the backfield, but not a ton. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's going to be. I mean, I think that's going to be integral. And and and, and jumping back real quick, and I'll let you guys go. Uh, you know, the the quarterback controversy is is it not weird? You know, and it's just a Tennessee thing. I know, I know, we beat this to death, but. But how is it that I would guess that ninety nine percent other schools, the quarterback controversy in this at their school would be Milton and, and Hooker, and there's no nobody seems to be arguing, you know, oh we need to play Milton or we need to play Hooker. There's there's not any argument about that, which I think is so weird. I don't hear anybody going, you know, you know, you know I'm in the Milton camp or I'm in the Hooker camp. I don't hear anybody in either one of those camps. It's the weirdest thing to me. Yeah, that should that should be the debate right there. It's between yeah, it number be. one, number two, not skipping over number two to number three. Yeah, it's which, almost like they've taken no one sense. and two, and they've taken one and two, and just like it's like they melted they melted them together into one player. It makes no sense. Which, which, yeah, which makes... couldn't be which couldn't be further from the truth. Those guys are two completely different types of football players. But For we, sure. but it seems like the fan base is treating them as one. I, I, it's it's the strangest thing. I, I just I just don't know. Hey, real quick, and I don't know if you said anything. Who do you think is going to start Saturday? I don't know who I think is going to start. I would start. I would start Hendon, but I don't. I don't know the status of Joe Milton. Uh, I was a little surprised that uh, he did not play um, at all. Didn't dress. Didn't play. I'm a little surprised by that. But I would. I would go. I would go with Hendon, man. I think um, he gives you enough uh, throwing the football. Where you can still, you know, you still can run your offense, still take your shots, but his ability to make guys miss, and he's gonna have to be an extension of the running game because I don't think you're gonna line up and just run the football uh, with the running backs. He is the extension of the running game, and it's hard to account for a running quarterback, especially in the pass, especially in the run. And um, I, I think it's Hendon, man. Experience on the road, uh, experience period. He has more experience than any other quarterback on the on the roster. So I would I would personally go with go with Hendon. That's just what I would do. Um, but I know how important uh, Joe Milton's arm is, and if he hasn't improved, uh, that that's going to be vital for for Tennessee in a passing game. But I would go with Hendon, man. That's just me. That's just me. All right, 865-255-03. Uh, Ken said, what's this guy been listening to? There's been a lot of debate uh, starting Milton O'Hicker, Hooker, uh, especially last week. Bailey's name shouldn't even be mentioned at this point, and Hooker has to start over Milton until he shows he can't do it. I agree with you, Ken. I agree with you. Um, Smokey Tennessee says, Bailey is being pushed so much because the fan base thought he would start this year, and that was build up last year during the Pruitt era. Uh, Downtown Vols says the last time I can remember UT third-string quarterback getting a bunch of attention was Dobbs in 14, but uh, even that wasn't as much as this. I think, uh, at least with this, we saw Dobbs flash from 2013, and Worley was playing much worse than either Milton or Hooker has so far. Um, Jeffy Dean says, at this moment, I am team Hooker. Uh, Dr. Vall says, "Was Milton on the sideline Saturday? I couldn't find him. Yes, he was on the sideline. Yeah, he was on the sideline. He's in good spirits. He was being a great, you know, great teammate. Uh, but he was on the sideline. He did not dress. Um, let's see here on the text box. What else we got? Uh, we should be concerned with Florida's backup quarterback. 
Well, Florida's backup quarterback has a hamstring, and um, the quarterback is is not the position I'm concerned with with Florida. <laughs> I'm concerned with that defensive front and our offensive line. That's the number one matchup that I'm concerned with uh, more than Florida's quarterback. I'm, I'm more concerned with Tennessee's defensive front going up against Florida's running game. That, that's yep. the, the, the one that I am most – concerned with and I think the quarterbacks do factor into that because that is the strength of of Emory Jones's game Tennessee is going to have to contain him much better than they contained Kenny Pickett last Saturday and and Anthony Richardson if he does play he's he's been dealing with that hamstring since the spring so I know he didn't play against Bama but he kind of knows how to how to play with it if that makes sense and he he's even more of a playmaker than Emory Jones with the ball in his hands. So uh, I'm I'm not concerned about Florida's passing game, but that rushing attack against Tennessee's defensive front is where the game will be won or lost, in my opinion. Yeah, that's that certainly can can lose you the game if you're Tennessee. And the reason why I'm pro- I'm more concerned with Tennessee's offensive line versus Florida's defensive line is I don't want our quarterbacks in a pocket where we're getting guys either unblocked or they beating a the block. And they're hitting our quarterback's blind side. Um, you know, we saw we saw Hooker in open field uh, get hurt by a one-on-one tackle. So, yes, you know, it's turn. And for, as far as um, this game and winning, losing this game for sure, man, that's a huge concern uh, when you look at Florida's rushing attack versus our defensive front. But I just don't want any of our quarterbacks getting killed um, because we're not protecting them well enough. So, you know, I'm thinking about the after effects of this game too. So uh, both, I think, really, really good points, just different perspective. Um, and But the trenches is the common thing for sure between us, Penn. The trenches is is an area where we got to belly up, man, and play better than we have the first three games for sure. Well, in a game like this, there there are multiple matchups that determine the game. It's not – Tennessee does this one thing, and, and they're going to win. It, it's, it's never that in this type of football game. Joe, Joe Milton, if he's the guy, he's going to have to connect on some, some deep passes uh, against a, a weaker Florida secondary than we are used to. Tennessee's going to have to try to contain the run. I, I don't think that they're going to stop the run based off of Florida's dominance in the, in the first three games of the season. But can they limit Florida on the ground and do just enough defensively to allow Joe Milton or Hendon Hooker time throughout the game to connect on some big plays to where they can get to the fourth quarter and and be in reach of a win? Uh, Brad on the text box says, why is it so hard for Tennessee to get a quarterback? Um, I'll say this, considering where we were last year, Tennessee did a pretty good job of going out and getting two quarterbacks and making this this situation better. It is better than it than it was last year. Uh, it is significantly better. Uh, so you you got you got two quarterbacks with some experience. Uh, you got one quarterback that's great uh, phys- physically throwing the football. You got one that's dang good. Um, showed a lot of Dob esque running um, abilities last year. None of those guys uh, were a good option at, at quarterback, to be honest. Uh, and then, you know, we know about the, the, the stuff that J.G. was getting. So I think 
the position is a whole lot better because the transfer portal has been able to, to help us in that area. But it's hard to go from what we did last year, what we had last year at quarterback, to magically having a franchise quarterback for the next you know three or four years playing at a high level. Those are just really crazy expectations, I think. So it is better, um, and it needs to be better if Tennessee is going to you know win you know, five, six, seven games this year. Uh, Jonathan 77 Voss says, what are your comments on the athleticism of Harrison Bailey's rushing touchdown? Um, I can't tell I whether s- that's serious what? or sarcastic. Yeah, I didn't see any athleticism on, on Harrison Bailey's rushing touchdown. Uh, no one was, no one accounted for him. He was wide open on the zone read. Everyone went to the, to the running back. He was wide open. He was able to gallop in for a touchdown. So that's, that's, that's why athleticism is why Jim Chaney wanted Haynes King, even though Harrison was committed to Tennessee. It is why 20-plus assistants and two different head coaches, two different staffs, um, have not played Harrison Bailey to this point. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that's sarcastic or serious, but that's not Harrison's game. That's why he has to be better at throwing with anticipation, processing information, um, and, and throwing it from the pocket. And that's something right now that he has to do a better job of. But if you want to question Josh Heupel's ability to, you know, develop quarterbacks, and, I mean, he's only had a, you know, he's only had a Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback. He's only had a number one overall pick at quarterback. He's only had a couple first-round quarterbacks. He's only done that. But if you want to, you know, question Josh Heupel's quarterback, um, you know, knowledge, you can do that. I'm not. And also, I, you know, I saw it in real time. I see it, so. Um, I think, you know, after this game, people can kind of make up th- their decisions on what they want to do and what drum they want to continue to beat and narrative they want to push. But that's on you. Um, M. Stone UT says, look at Baltimore last night. The RPO can be deadly to me. You know what, what was coming. Um, but can you stop it? And I think the RPO with Hendon Hooker can be really, really deadly as well. Really deadly. And you can adjust midseason. You can do it. And we saw Kentucky adjust midseason with, you know, injury a couple of years ago, went straight triple option. Like, you can adjust. We saw Lane Kiffin adjust with Jonathan Crompton, losing the first game in the 08-09 season to UCLA and made some adjustments to play to the strengths of your quarterback. You could do that same thing with Hendon Hooker. You know, you've, you've, you've had a full game of Hendon uh, and a half a game of Hendon where you can see – where he's better uh, in certain areas versus others, and you can you can play to Hendon's strengths at this point. So I think the RPO game is and can be a strength of Hendon Hooker for sure. Uh, Jonathan said that it was sarcasm. It's oh, okay. why Hooker is is the quarterback. Okay, in, I know. In his opinion, it, it look <laughs> we, we get so many sarcastic comments and rude comments that it, it's it's hard to cipher sometimes. So. Forgive us. Big Orange one two three said Bailey could have run that in with uh, with Crocs on. For sure, he could have moonwalked in. Uh, he was he was that open. All right, let's go back to the phones, and uh, we got Austin calling in from Greenville. Austin, good morning. Hey, good morning, Swain Ben. How are y'all doing? Man, wonderful, man. How are you? I'm great. Hey, I got two quick questions for y'all, and then I'm gonna hang up and listen. So my first question is: after watching the Bama Florida game on Saturday. Do we think Florida is better than we thought, or do we think Bama is not as good as we thought? And second question is, 
after watching that game, do we think Florida is going to cover the spread on Saturday and beat us by 20 points, or y'all think it'll be a little closer than that? Uh, yeah, we, we, we uh, covered this a little, little earlier. I think uh, Florida's a little bit better than what we thought, and I'm looking at Florida's defense is the reason why I'm saying that because you know Todd Grantham has been the center of criticism, but I thought his defense played uh, well there the second half and kind of bowed their neck. Um, you know, Florida's running game is is really a strong suit, and you know, last year it was their passing game. So yeah, I feel like Florida's a little bit better than what um, you know than what people expected. And then Alabama, um, I, yeah, I'm signing with Ben here. You know, inexperience kind of showed up a little bit. You know, it showed up in the first game against Miami. Well, they did get up by a lot on them, but they took their foot off the gas. I thought they did that in the first half against Florida a little bit too, being up 21-9 to at halftime. Um, and Florida, kudos to them for, for battling back and fighting back in that game. But uh, I think I think Florida's a little bit better than what we expected. Emory played better than what I expected as well. He did, he, he did a good job. He did a really good job in that game. Yeah, he did. And I do think that as as of today, I think Tennessee covers. I, I I'm not willing to buy into to Florida, like I said earlier. So uh, I, I I think Tennessee covers. Twenty points is too much in my opinion. If if we were thirteen, fourteen, it, it'd be a different conversation. Yeah, James, I, please let this be the last email. I hope I hope it's the last email. You've been emailing me all the show. Please let it be the last email. James, if you want to, if you want to call in, you want to make a point, call in and making a point. I'm not going to have a conversation over the air about your emails back and forth. So if you want to make a point, call in. Stop saying it's your last email. That's like the person who's like, "This is my last tweet. I'm getting, I'm getting this. I'm getting off Twitter. I don't want everybody to know I'm getting off Twitter." All right, well, get off. If this is your last email. Make it your last email, dude. I don't care. But if you have a point you want to make. And you disagree, then call in and make a point. We'll listen to whatever point you have, and we'll be open-minded and we'll be fair. But don't you have something better to do than just send a bunch of emails? Call in if you have a point. If you disagree, call in. But I'm not gonna go back and forth with you on email. I'm not doing it, man. I got I got better things to do with my time during the show than than play little games with uh, folks who want to send emails. Call in. If you disagree, call in. I respect everyone's decision or opinion, excuse me. Um, Connor from Georgia says, do you think we'll see any motions or jet sweeps this week? Yes. I think you will find uh, that we will see different ways to get the ball uh, to playmakers in space and to be an extension of the running game. If you are Tennessee and you don't use Valus Jones as an extension of the running game, then something is wrong. You see the way that he makes things happen with the ball in his hands. He showed that against Tennessee Tech. He's shown that his entire career at USC and at Tennessee. He's the current leader in FBS in return yards. You better use him as a running back. Use him as an extension of the running game, whether it's reverses or, you know, jet motion sweeps or whatever. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. All right, let me see what's up. Uh, Tony in Kingsport. Tony, good morning. Uh, good morning, guys. Happy Monday to you, especially after Monday after win. Uh, yes, sir. Good. Um, just like on your emails, man, this ain't Delta. You ain't got to announce your departure. Just go. 
You don't, man. You don't have to go through all that. It was, um, I don't care. I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was I was proud of what the guys were able to do this weekend. It felt good to actually put up a goose, uh, you know, have them put up a goose egg against, uh, you know, shut out. We increased our last game by a point, so that's positive. Hey. Uh, uh, but I, I like the way that they gelled. They kept fighting regardless of the score. Even everybody that came in after the fact, they kept fighting. So, uh one of the things, I know you're at the top of the hour, so I'm going to do this real quick. Uh, one of the things that I do like about playing Florida now is we've got a little game experience. But if you think about it, that Florida-Alabama game, in order to win, they pretty much showed us their whole playbook. We still haven't shown really anything. We've still been paid. So that gives us a lot of information to process as we get through this week. And I'll hang up and let you uh, see what you think about that. Hey, thank you, Tony, man. I, I thought Florida did have to throw the kitchen sink at Alabama. Um, but at the same time, you, you have counters off of everything that you do offensively. So if you have an off-tackle run, then you probably have an off-tackle you know, play-action pass off of that same action. You got a bubble screen that you run? Okay, well, you probably have a counter off that bubble screen. All right, you got a, you know, you have a, um, you know, Quick slant. All right, there's there's an there's a counter off that quick slant. You can run a slant and go. The question is, can you identify when a team is playing you and you know predicting what you're doing? Can you run that counter in real time at the right moment? Now, Dan Mullen is one of the best offensive coordinators, best offensive mind in college football. He did a really good job with Emory Jones on on Saturday. So. Uh, will Tim Banks be able to get a, a good beat on what Florida was able to do? Uh, and how will Dan Mullen be able to counter what he has shown on film in that Florida-Alabama game? But that's a really good point by Tony. I mean, they really had to show everybody what they um, what they had to be able to win that football game. But it's about counters. Who's going to counter? Who's going to make those adjustments? Who's going to make those, um, you know, post-game adjustments and in-game adjustments uh, and run those plays at the right time on Saturday. That's what I'm looking at. That's what I'm looking at the most. Uh, hour three is around the corner. We're live here at Betty Chevrolet, Parkside Drive. Stay with us. Be right back. <laughs> 